Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past week in racing and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, Louise Torres and Richard Uden. Guys, how we doing? Mm, good, thank you. It's going all right. Going all right. Yeah, so uh, a little bit of a slower week in, in racing. Uh, you know, Formula One is, is, was off for the travel. Uh, they are loading up into the United States. They'll, they'll run at uh, Coda this weekend. Uh, NASCAR was in action at Texas. Um, it was yet another win for young Kyle Larson, who is, uh, I believe that's his eighth win on the season. Uh, there's, you know, three races to go. Um, and he's uh, looks like a championship favorite. So let, let's talk about Texas a little bit. Yeah, so 550 package at Texas, no PJ1 instead as the resin. Kyle Larson just basically control the field to where is that where every restart seems like whoever is in the Larson's lane, they give him a strong push, and Larson just can't be stopped. He couldn't be stopped. He led what 256 laps out of 334, and like what over two over two hundred in a row, especially the last two hundred or so laps. He just put on a clinic, not in a dominant lead all the lead every single lap, all but like three cars on the lead lap dominance, because there were a lot of cautions towards the very end of the race where chaos after chaos after chaos happened as you'd expect in the typical playoff race this time of the season where there's like late cautions where. It impacted a couple of playoff contenders, Martrex Jr. being one of them, who had a battle with Daniel Suarez. Suarez got into him, launched Shrek towards the hard in the wall. He's in a huge hole. Joey Le- before Joey Logano had an engine failure, a big one at that. So he's mm-hmm. now in a massive hole. But compared to Truex, Logano, the track that's coming up. It actually favors Logano. He's won. He won last time they were there and made it to championship four. So I'm not ruling Logano out. Truex, I'm more concerned of, even if you have Martinsville in two weeks' time. But those those two had problems. Denny Hamlin also had some issues, but he still managed to rally back to finish 11. The big part of the reason why he was able to get 11 is because there was a large number of attrition, especially at the start and early in the race where. 
It collected 15 cars, 16 cars. The most, uh, the biggest wreck ever at Texas, believe it or not. It's not the one from 1998 where everybody just basically crashed into the wall and turned one that collected like Earnhardt, Kenny Wallace, Greg Sachs, to name a few. I think Daryl Walter might have been involved in that one. Yeah, but yeah, they, this- yeah. They did say it was the most cars involved in a wreck in Texas history, which, uh, you know, not sure that's a good record to hold because, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah. No, especially yeah, for uh, Bubba Wallace, who put blame for the whole entire thing. He threaded a need to go three. Why he got loose, basically eliminated Ryan Priest's chance of putting that 37 into the top 25. As far as getting that bonus money, that'd probably be all for naught since he's not coming back next season. It's only going to be a single car team. And it collected mostly just back markers like Joey, Joey Gase, Cody Ware. And if I were his brother right now, I'd be worried about your future in life. Is as far as I'm going to go with that, but who else were Ryan Newman was also collected. It took out a good number of cars more towards the back of the field to where there was only, when you look at it, what was a quarter of the field were already out by before lap 50. And then everything seemed calm other than Legato blowing up. Then we had Chase Briscoe, making every driver angry on Sunday. He definitely made Denny Hamlin angry for the second time this season to where Denny Hamlin took it upon Instagram to to, to voice his displeasure to Chase because in his mindset, these younger drivers just don't have the, the mitigated goal to confront them. I don't know about that. I mean, William Byron and Tyler Reddick, they did, they confront, they talked about it after the race at the Roble. Speaking of Byron and Reddick, both of them had superb runs, especially Reddick once again. Like he should have had a top five, but they had a tangle to where they were only saved by a cautious eggs to Briscoe running, turning into Danny Hamlin. I mean, no, he got into Chris Busher, then Danny Hamlin ran into Chris Busher and destroyed the whole front nose of the car, but yet somehow, some way, they were able to fix it and still got 11th out of it, which is a salvageable day considering. It could have been much, much worse. No, much that's, worse that's, that that's, yeah, 11, I'll take it with a wrecked car any day. You know what I mean? It's 11 I mean, beats yeah. being, being back in the garage. So, but let's, so let's talk about, so the points are pretty tight. You know, cause like I said, we're just, there's just two races left till we pair down to four. Nobody is really safe other than Kyle Larson who punched his ticket to the final four with the win. Uh, but you got, if you look at the guys below the cut line, right? Elliot Keselowski, Truex, Logano, you got, you know, four former champions there um, that are currently on, on the outside looking in, um, you know, and then uh, you've got, uh, uh, you know, Larson, Blaney, Hamlin, one, two, three, three guys who've never won a championship. Denny Hamlin, who really needs one uh, to kind of, you know, put that exclamation point on a fine career that he's had thus far. Um, and then of course, right in the middle, Kyle Busch, who's, uh, uh, you know, always seems to be there, um, you know, when, uh, when the stakes are high. So, uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of races. There's going to be with Kansas next, right? Yep. And then Martinsville. And there's a lot of guys that are going to be hanging their hat on a good finish at Martinsville. You, you figure you got guys like Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, these guys who have traditionally run really well at, um, well, Truex at, at Martinsville. Yeah. Martinsville, That's right. Yeah. Truex has won a couple of Martinsville there as well. I, you know, after a long drought of short tracks, that seems to have suddenly, suddenly you know, it's, it's like clicked. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's going to be Martinsville race going to be a barn burner. I'm telling you, it's going to be, um, 
you know, it's, it's just going to be fun to watch and, and hopefully nobody gets stupid out there. Um, you know, but it's, uh, you gotta, come on. I know it's NASCAR, right? So, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I think the next two races are going to be uh, these, you know, you got top quality guys here in these eight. So uh, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, as, as much as Kyle Larson has seemed to dominate the season, I mean, behind him is a battle for the ages. Yeah, I mean, he can just sit there and uh, concentrate on Phoenix now, can't they? Yeah, or, oh, certainly, win, out, yeah. or win out and get, end the year with 11 wins. Yeah, I, I don't think that, uh, you know. It's going to be tough, but... I don't think there's any benefit in putting yourself in that position. And, and you know, you, you, you're, they can take, you know, obviously, I think probably what you'll see is, especially with the new rules and formats on the cars for next year, they'll probably take you know, some less than optimized cars to the next two races and, and put all their effort into that Phoenix car and make that as good as possible. And then, uh, and then go from there, really. I think that, uh, you know, they'll be finding pieces, parts and pieces for the next two cars that have been, mind you, the, the, probably the, this car was being built before Texas. So that may be a half decent uh, setup, but the Martinsville car will just be... Uh, the bits and pieces that find lying around, I think. Yeah, that's usually how the Martinsville car is at the end of the day, anyway. So you know, a little banged, well, exactly, a little yeah, banged so up. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you don't need much of a car to win at Martinsville. You know, you just need to make sure it keeps running. You know, the air arrow's not yeah. much of a factor. The only biggest factor in Martinsville is is honestly braking. You know, well, and radiators protect your radiator. Yes, yes, absolutely. And your brakes. Yeah, that's what I said first. Braking. Yep. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, so, yeah. yeah go ahead. To wrap it up, to put it in perspective on the, who's behind, Kostowski finished fourth and he only gained, he only cut the gap outside of the top four by a measly one point. He entered 16 behind. He's going to go into Kansas 15 behind the cutoff, which is currently held by Kyle Bush, who's in fourth in the standings. He was none, none, none. Uh, well, no surprise. None too pleased with the current package like at all. He voices his displeasure on that package. Big time. Again. Well, Kyle, Kyle's never to, the, to hold back know, how he feels. So No, I know. He, to the point that he wanted to get it, he wanted everybody to who heard the radio to send an email to Steve O'Donnell before apparently he got cut off. I know Joey Barnes wrote a couple pieces on Kyle at Texas this past weekend. Talk voicing his displeasure about it. It's a bit pathetic, isn't it? Really, I mean, come on, I'm, dude. You, you know, you're it's only what a month ago. Exactly. I'm, I mean, you, if you're he one was of the best drivers out there of your generation, and just cut the crap and just get on and drive the damn car. You know, you're. Yeah, yeah. it's so frustrating because he's not helping. Uh, to my opinion, he's not helping himself with this sort of antics. You know. It's, he's trying to appear to be somebody that he's not. Yeah, well, it, it will be curious to see. I think the only way he'll probably be okay with it, probably not, if he wins another championship. But right now, he's barely hanging on by a thread. And when you have Kyle Larson already, and that's just going to be an insurmountable task, don't you think? But do you think, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. You know, these these basically, the seven guys there are outside of, um, obviously, Larson, who's already through to the uh, series finale in um, 
Phoenix, you know, do they, they're not looking at points and where they sit in the championship. Every single one of those seven will go to Kansas this weekend, expecting to have a chance of winning that race. I, I doubt very much they'll be sat there thinking, oh, well, you know, I need to finish in the top three and so-and-so needs to finish there and so-and-so needs to finish there for me to get through. Now, that may start to come into the equation with 20 laps to go at Martinsville, 50 laps to go at Martinsville, but right now, they're, all of those guys are going to be thinking, I'm going here to win either Kansas or Martinsville. I, I really don't think that these, some of these guys on the, on the outside looking in are going to be sat there thinking, you know, at this stage, oh, how many points do I need to scrape through? Uh, you know, to, to to make it into the into the uh, finale of Phoenix, I I, I just think they're all going to go for it and uh, try and get that win. Yeah, yeah. Point, that's all you got to do, especially if your name is Joey Logano or Martin Truex Jr. I, don't, I I genuinely, yeah, I just I don't think they they'll they they just go there to win. You know, I don't think you know the, the people around that bubble are thinking, oh, you know, I need to finish ahead of him. And like, no. I say with fifty laps to go at Martinsville, that's maybe when you start to pay pay attention, but. Uh, Right now, yeah, that yeah. I'd right now, you've got to you've got to check the wind column. Absolutely, exactly. If you go there, if you go there racing defensively, you're going to come out defensive. You know, you've got to go there and attack and try and win and try and be competitive. And uh, you know, they're winners. Every single one of those guys has won multiple races and in some situations, you know, multiple championships and the like. So they're not they're not points getters. They're winners. Yeah, the interesting thing about, you know, the whole playoff format, right? You know, because, yeah, you know, for years and years and years, we've all watched racing and it's always, you know, when it comes down to the last couple of races, it's always a points game. And, you know, the, the TV commentators show you the points as they run and this and that. But this the whole elimination format here towards towards the end, towards the end of the NASCAR season, really, it, that, that whole factor is removed and, yeah. and it's, it's replaced by just I've got to win the race. You know, I, I, I've, I've got to play to win. So you don't, you know, you know, how many, how many championships in, in the past have you seen decide? Oh, well, you know, Scott Dixon just needs to manage an 11 place finish here and he'll have this championship sewn up. And, you know, what does yeah. he do? Finish ninth. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, so when we, when we eliminate that whole points thing and then it's, we get to Phoenix, four guys, whoever finishes top out of those four takes everything home. You know, I, I, I can't decide if it's more drama or less drama. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but, but, but I'd rather see guys gunning for the win than, than figuring out the, how many points I need to make sure I'm safe. Just, yep. just my oh, two, sure. two cents. Yeah. So that, uh, that I think that uh, this adds some real, you know, real fire to the, the last couple of races. Yep. All right. So Louise, did we have a uh, trucks and Xfinity activist past weekend? Nope. Trucks has been inactive since Talladega. They'll be back at Marsville for the penultimate race of the season. But I will mention in the truck series side, Dean Thompson from Arca West, who won the championship at Irwindale not that long ago, is going to make his truck series debut for Nice Motorsports in the finale at Phoenix. Xfinity did run with John Hunter Nemechek winning in the 54 Joe Gibbs car. His first win since 2018 when he drove for Ganassi. Speaking of that, that was also Ganassi's last ever winning Xfinity Series before the whole DC Solar fiasco ultimately led the 42 team to shut down. In 2019, that was supposed to be Chastain's full-time ride back in, back many, many years ago, it feels like these days. Hard to believe that was all we're pushing three years ago when that yeah, DC Solar thing went down. Yeah, that doesn't, seem, doesn't still, seem like that long ago. Yeah, 
and they're still having they're still constantly keep postponing all these hearing courts and all of that stuff for the man responsible. Imagine that. Well, I mean, these, yeah, these sort of things take years to sort out. You know, you can uh, yeah, look through history of shysters in involved in auto racing and just in the industry in general and see how long it takes for, for something to actually be settled. Um, so that takes, that'll be a continuing story for a while. But speaking of continuing stories, uh, let's talk about uh, Denny Hamlin and 23XI. They're still, um, you know, riding pretty high from uh, getting a win at Talladega, despite the fact that they had a pretty miserable Texas. Uh, they're all, they were all set, or they thought they were all set uh, to add that second car. They've got uh, Kurt Busch contracted as the driver, and they believed that they had the charter from Front Row Motorsports lined up, but it appears that that deal has fallen through. After they were very, very deep, deep into it. And, you know, Denny said that he was uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars into it with legal fees already. And then he used an expletive to define how your sport is not effing financial, doesn't make effing financial sense for anybody. But uh, some disappointment there. So that means they need to look elsewhere for a charter. Um, so uh, so what, what does that look like, Richard? How do you mean? Sorry. Uh, so, I mean, so the, the, we're without a charter for 23 X sign out for the second yeah. car that's already. So what, well, what, what out there is available? I mean, I mean, you know, where, where do they, where do they turn from here? Cause they had, uh, I mean, they had they put they all their eggs into one basket, so to say. Yeah. Are they definitely out of uh, a charter or they just lost that particular one. Uh, I know there's, um, you know, other potentially other avenues that they can go down to get hold of one of those uh, <clears throat> charters, I believe. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I think it means that they're not guaranteed entry into certain races and the like, and they've got to race their way into it, like the Daytona 500 and the like. So it, it put, puts them onto the back foot a little bit. But I think with the resources available to them, uh, I, I think they should be able to produce a quick enough car with quick enough drivers. Um, to, to to be able to compete on a pretty regular basis and not miss too many, um, you know, too many events. And uh, I, I think that's uh, I'm right in saying that, Luis. There. Overtime. Sorry about that. Well, oh gosh, guys, it, you're just not it, listening to one another. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it means that they uh, aren't. Um, you know, if, if 23XI uh, don't have a charter for next year, then it. it it just means that they don't have guaranteed races or uh, entries into races. Um, yeah, but with, because with the resources available to them, they should be okay, I would have thought. So as long as they don't get collected in the duels, but yeah, apparently championship yeah. commissioners is no longer a thing, so Kurt Busch doesn't have that to fall back on. And also, they don't get guaranteed purse money at all. So they could be in deep, they could be in a hole financially right out of the gate if they don't perform well. And also, they kind of had to bank big time on the 51 team to finish in the bottom three in the charters and hope and hope that NASCAR repossesses that charter from the 51 and hand it over to them because I think that's more than likely who's going to – their better bet at this rate is to be rooting for those other Rick Ware cars to beat the 51, which just happens to own yeah. – to be a Rick Ware car too. So we'll see how that unfolds for sure because – when you have a former cup champion 
that knows how to get the job done. He, we've seen it time and time again when he joins different teams. But the biggest <laughs> thing is that there's no guarantee purse money like all the charter teams have. No. Okay, this, no, this, this wild rumor that apparently I don't necessarily buy that when Almendinger won Indy, I only got like, what, a $1,500 out of all of that. Really? Wow. That's what I, that's all, that's kind of like the low hanging fruit rumor that I've heard that somebody posted today. They only got like $1,500 for winning a cup race, but because they're not a charter team or a full-time team for that matter, they barely got anything. I'm hoping that is not true because that would be ridiculous that the race winning team doesn't get the most amount of money and end up actually probably having one of the lowest amount of money out of everyone. Yeah, fifteen hundred bucks is nothing. You know what I mean? That's yeah, it's not that's regional Arca money. Yeah, that's uh, that's rent money for a month. You know, <laughs> but I don't know. So, is there is there another charter available they can they can look to pick up, or is everything pretty well locked up? And and, and speaking of the front row charter, right? Is who who is that going to go to now? Or is that just going to still remain in limbo? It's going to probably stay with them. But the problem is apparently it, the, that fallout was got so rough that Ford are angry, Toyota are angry. I don't. Th- it sh- it should they want to go switch manufacturers? They're in trouble. Well, I guess they haven't pissed Chevy off. So <laughs> anyway, well, you got you got Michael Jordan there, so he'll have to come up with a slam dunk. But no, boom, basketball reference. Nope. So. We'll just have to see how that plays. That one plays out. But I know Denny was quite vocal on his displeasure of the way things had had sorted out, particularly since he had, you know, like, again, they put a lot of eggs in that basket. They put a lot of money in that basket. Uh, that's just all for naught. So, but, uh, I mean, but to your point, you got Kurt Bush behind the wheel. Here's a guy that's, that's, you know, very capable of racing in on any given weekend, you know, given, a if they give him a good enough car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, as I said, I think that, uh, you know, I don't think they'll have too much problem, you know, in terms of competitiveness on a week in week out basis. But I think that, um, it does obviously highlight some of the issues with the charter package. I mean, it was basically something that came about a few years ago, which basically made, you know, each entry worth, you know, num- you know, a number of millions of dollars uh, per charter for, for basically nothing. You know, it, it was a way of the NASCAR teams generating revenue without actually having to do anything. Um, it was a great method and great technique for them to, for, to, to generate this money, but it did, uh, you know, it is a bit of a, a false economy, and at some point it's all going to come crashing down around them after. Yeah, particularly if you have charters that are just sitting being held and not being used. You know what I mean? And you, you, you get, you know, I think the rule is, and Louise, you can correct me if here is that you don't, ha- you know, you can own a charter, um, but you can only not use it for one season. And then after one season, you have to sell it. But what some teams do, like, for example, my understanding, Childress used to have, or RCI used to have three charters, but only around two cars. And that third charter, one year, they'd lease it to one team. And then the next year, they'd theoretically race under, they'd bring that charter back and then lease out one of their other charters. So they had the option to only have 
two cars running with three charters and every year they'd jumble their charter allocation. Then at one point they had to get to a position to sell them, I think. I think is if that, you if you lease it to somebody, it? but if you want to expand, you can get you can still use it for something. Yeah, else. it's all complicated. Yeah, it, it's, it's already all... complicated. I think if I remember correctly, out of the thirty, the original thirty six back in twenty sixteen, I believe seven or eight in some capacity have never changed the charters to anybody, or switch car numbers, or switch teams, or vice versa. Yeah. I think only like yeah. under 10 remain intact from the very get-go, and a good chunk of them are from Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah, I mean, Hendrick probably haven't, but they, what, they've they obviously had number changes re- within their team, and I'm, yep. you know, I'm, I'm sure Penske are in the same boat. As I know, I know Penske RCR, should be fine. Yeah, I know Except RCR for that 12 team. Around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 2 and the 22 are pretty stationary, but uh, yeah, it was just a method, really, of, of sort of um, you know, making sure that the, the the guys that had these charters, you know, got the prize money, and it was a bit of a, you know, when you look at it, it's a very, it's, you know, it's a massive false economy, and you know, I'm almost a little bit surprised that somebody didn't come along from outside of NASCAR and sort of who, especially teams that tried to enter, you know, uh, who weren't able to enter because of this scheme, and say, look, guys, you know, we need to look at the legality of this because this is like. You know, this is a little bit suspect with the way this has all been all been set up. It's like you know, jobs for the boys sort of thing. Um, yeah, but very... it's it's no different than any other professional sport. You just can't show up with your own football team and expect to play in an NFL game. You know what I mean? You can't just say, "Hey, I'm going to start my own team and let us play." Yeah, but NASCAR are actively them. encouraging people to join. But yeah, you've got to yeah, go they, and buy. Yeah, a this is yeah, this is true. Yeah. So that's the balance. You know, the NFL don't want any more teams. You know, they're like, hey, look, we're good with 32 or whatever we've got, you know. Whereas NASCAR, hey, we need more people to be involved in the sport. And they're like, okay, well, we've got to stump up $5 million for a charter to be able to earn prize money. And who owns the charters? The teams earn them, but if they sell them, you know, it's it's just, you know, literally they created money out of nothing. Fundamentally. it's it's a, It was an amazing... I can't think of any other industry where this has happened. I really don't, you know, or any of the sports series where they've said, you know, I have an entry, which in theory is not a physical, you know, attribute. And I'm suddenly turned around and said, this is worth $6 million or $7 million or $10 million, whatever. Now, I know the value of the charter has dropped quite considerably in the last few years. But when this came about, what was it, 2016, you know, the, a charter was valued at $10 million. Well, there you go. Hen- Hendrick has suddenly found $40 million overnight from nowhere. I'm lucky if I find 25 cents down the back of a sofa, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, um, it, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is interesting. It's interesting and it's confusing, but we'll just have to see how this thing plays out with uh, 23 XI because, uh, you know, I think, I think in the long run, They've they've got they've got a great base of operations to to compete within the sport, you know, for going forward for a number of years, you know, after Denny steps down as a driver and becomes, uh, you know, more involved with that team full time. And, uh, you know, Kurt Busch in the fold there, uh, Bubba Wallace, who's got a lot of potential, um, you know, so uh, it's just it's just a shame that they've hit this little bit of a stumbling block, especially when they felt like everything was a done deal. You know, it's like two steps forward and one step back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's, uh, 
Speaking of stepping forward, let's move forward to something else, uh, which is Nico Hagerberg is going to test an IndyCar. Now, here's a guy that uh, that I think a lot of. I just think he's a heck of a driver. He's an interesting personality. He's got one of the coolest names out there. But he's going to, uh, you know, people have been kind of teasing his name around the IndyCar paddock for a little while. Uh, but he's going to hop in the uh, McLaren SP entry uh, when they test the barber here in a couple of weeks, which is uh, which is a track that should suit his driving style well. You know, Barber being a natural terrain road course is going to be very similar to, uh, you know, Nico's entire uh, upbringing racing in Europe. So um, I'm interested to see how he does. The The test is actually at his request. Uh, he requested that he, you know, hey, may I test the IndyCar? I want to see if I like it. You know, I guess he's been, you know, looking at uh, guys like Romain, Romain Grajean, who's uh seems to really be enjoying IndyCar and he's wondering, Hey, maybe this is better than, you know, being the sim guy for, for Alpine. So that'll be interesting to see, but I mean, whether or not there's a seat for him, if he decides he likes it is another story. So Richard, I mean, you're, you're fairly familiar with uh, Nico Hulkenberg. How do you think he'll fare in IndyCar? I, I feel like he'll, uh, he'll take to it quite well. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think the guy's an immense talent and, uh, you know, he has the attitude, doesn't he? He has that sort of personality, very much in the similar role, you know, as a Roman Grosjean sort of personality. Somebody who'll come in and, um, you know, take it seriously and, and be, be on the ball pretty quick. And um, I expect him to impress. I, I, I really, really do. And um, again, it's sort of highlighting how IndyCar is, is an alter, you know, a, a viable alternative to these Formula 1 guys. It's not like, a, you know, to put it bluntly, it's not like a retirement home, which is what we used to consider it as. You know, these guys, Grosjean, Hulkenberg, you know, some of these guys that have come over in recent years have been at the peak of their ability. Now, you know, admitting that they're not a Hamilton or a Verstappen, but they're certainly, you know, better than average uh, in many, many ways. And, and you're, and you're uh, talking about guys who, whose talent is masked a little bit by the fact that they're not with one of the top teams in Formula yeah. One. So they, they, they yeah. you know, they've got to really, you know, put on the drive of a lifetime to, to get any kind of results when you've got, uh, you know, the, the performance gap between the teams and the cars there. But you get into uh, IndyCar, we have a much more level playing field. And you can see how well uh, Grosjean has done. You can see how well Ericsson has done, you know, so. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and as I say, I think it's it's a really good opportunity for him, and uh, I think you'll see more and more guys start to make that move. And you know, maybe we would have seen this maybe 10, 15 years ago, or ten years ago, guys like you know, I was just thinking about this earlier today because some of the guys that left Formula One and almost disappeared, like uh, Sebastian Buemi. I know he does Toyota um, endurance too, but, but, you know, Adrian Sutil and Jaime Alguasuari, guys like that, you know, maybe, maybe IndyCar is now becoming the new Formula E. You know, we had a lot of ex F1 guys go to Formula E a few years ago and, and sit around there, you know, Stoffel Van Dorn, guys like that who are still competing that series. But, you know, maybe, you know, you genuinely start to see IndyCar as being a real, um, you know, alternative, especially with the aero screen and some of the safety innovations that have come about that maybe would alert, um, uh, remove some of the fears that these guys had over, um, you know, the safety of the series. Yeah, I mean, certainly with a couple of recent deaths in the series, you know, uh, you know, Justin Wilson and, and Dan Weldon notably is, you know, yeah. given, given IndyCar a bit of a, you know, kind of, ah, it's a little too scary for me, uh, for some of these guys, you know, even, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson, his first trip over, he's, I'm just going to stick to the road course. The ovals are way too dangerous until he got in the car and started driving it and, you know, witnessed a few, uh, accidents here and there from other guys with the aero screen to see how well that's performed. Uh, so he's, you know, done his rookie orientation at the Indianapolis motor speedway. But I think the other thing that we got to look at is, guys that are jumping from formula two to IndyCar rather than formula one, because of a limited amount of seats, mm-hmm. you've got uh, uh, like, uh, you know, we talked about uh, Cal Mylot a few uh, weeks ago, he will be full-time in the series with the Yunkos team. And just this past week, uh, Ray Hall, Lundgard. yeah, Ray Hall, Letterman Lanigan announced uh, Christian Lundgaard as their full-time driver for the 30 car replacing Takuma Sato. Um, and he'll drive alongside uh, Jack Harvey, who will be in the 45, and uh, Graham Rahal, who has uh, got a nice relationship with the team owner. Um, family connection there, I believe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But so you talk about, you know, these. So you get you get all the way you do well in Formula Two and there's nothing, nothing for you in Formula One. There's more guys in the junior programs and there are seats in this series. There's there's only mm-hmm. 20, 20 seats in Formula One. Right. So mm-hmm. you, you look at IndyCar and IndyCar has got a, a little bit of a gap in their their own feeder series uh, because they had to cancel an entire season of Indy Lights due to the pandemic. So this is kind of opened the door for a lot of European talent to come over to IndyCar. Um, I, I think it's great. I think these guys compete well, uh, other, other people don't like it so much. They prefer to see uh, IndyCar grow their own talent, but I, I, you know, again, I think a good series needs the best drivers, whether they come yeah. from Indy lights or formula two or, or super yeah. formula in Japan. Oh yeah. yeah for yeah, sure. No, I agree. And I think you look little... at you... go on. We, we talked about it, you know, a couple of weeks ago, really, you know, you, you saw, you know, coming into this season, a big influx of, of rookies coming out of Formula 2. And I think they took two or three seats on the grid. Uh, well, three. They, they took three seats this year on the grid. So you know, that then has a negative impact on the guys who are coming through this year because, you know, there's less seats available and, and less seats open. So it's going to be harder for them. And, and it is such a lottery at the moment, really, for that progression from G or from Formula Two into Formula One, it's 
you know, it is sort of right place, right time. You know, you could be the best kid coming through that series in your particular year, but if there's no seats available in Form 1 the following year, forget it. You know, you might as well look somewhere else. And, you know, it, it's really brutal. I mean, it is it is completely right place, right time sort of scenario. Um, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate for some talent, because I'm sure we lose some talent along the way just purely for that reason and that reason alone. And and I believe in, in Formula 2 as well now, the rules are that if you win the Formula 2 series, you cannot defend your title. So, you know, you can win it and then you, you're out, you know, if, if there's no Formula 1 seats available or you don't have the financial backing for a Formula 1 seat, you're, you know, you're looking somewhere else next year. And IndyCar and, and, and the like is a, if you want to keep single seat and single seater open wheel racing, it's, it's a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, and I believe that IndyCar actually this day and age offers more visibility than, say, a Formula E or sports car racing. Yeah, I, would, I think, uh, especially, uh, in the, especially in the U.S. anyway, yeah. Well, certainly, yeah, certainly in the U.S., yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I think it's uh, it, it bodes well for the series. Um, and, you know, along with these, uh, you know, European guys coming over, you know, some of them have their mm-hmm. own funding, some of them don't. But, uh, you know, any... You know, we know Ericsson has a uh, has some money that he's he's got his own consortium of uh, investors that kind of help him out along with the uh, Husky Chocolate folks. Um, I, I'm sure that uh, Callum Mylot has is bringing a little something to um, the Yukos team. You know, it may may not be much, but uh, but at the end of the day, the guy gets to drive a single seater in a top tier series with a lot of visibility mm-hmm. and, and you've got the, Indy and, in a, and, and the Indy 500 is icing on the cake. Yeah. Which and is, and they're pretty much a, pretty much a what a spec series as well, which, you know, they've obviously had success in the past in Formula two. So it gives them an opportunity again to, to really show their, their ability. And obviously, you know, you do have bigger teams than others in, in IndyCar and, 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 you know, it's not purely, um, you know, all on the driver, but it'll be, um, interesting to see how we how, how it all goes for sure all right so that's uh that'll wrap up our indycar segment but speaking of indycar and the indianapolis motor speedway we've got a very interesting event coming up this weekend which will be autonomous cars racing at the speedway and this is a this is an event it's more of a competition uh that's backed by a lot of universities where people are putting their um you know, autonomous self-driving cars on the track, pitting against one another. Um, you know, it's almost like watching robot fights or something, I guess. But um, I, for one, am pretty interested with this. Now, there are racing purists who think this is the, the worst thing you'll ever see in the world because uh, there are people that believe that the Indianapolis Speedway is hallowed ground that shouldn't be trampled on. But, I mean, come on. You know, we've had NASCAR there, SVRA, Formula One. Motorcycle. You had the eight-hour race just eight-hour eight, eight sports car race. We've had Red Bull air shows. Come on, it's uh, it's yeah. it's it's. And was it Indy originally a motorcycle race before the five hundred? I think one of the the early well the 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 first race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the grounds was a hot air balloon race. Um, huh. but but they, they, the, they, they yeah, but they did have motorcycle races as well as auto races. But they but, still do. Oh, recently but, the Murta GP have been there. Absolutely, yeah. But I mean, but but to the point, right? The Indianapolis Motor Speedway was built as a proving ground 
for the latest in automotive technology. And the latest in automotive technology is autonomous driving cars. I mean, this is this is going to be a thing. If this if these really work, um, you know, to the point that they're pretty flawless, right? It's going to revolutionize the shipping industry. Mm-hmm. You know, because they've talked about you know autonomous trucks, and and you've got even <laughs> yeah yeah you've got companies like Domino's um, experimenting with autonomous uh, little vehicles that to deliver your pizza, um, and and these these sort of things. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what these folks have to offer. I mean, automotive technology you know continues to advance, right? And you know, literally, I uh, I, I bought a new car very recently, right? And um, the last car I had was an 08, right? So there wasn't a whole lot of bells and whistles on it. But the, the new car I have, it's got a lot of these little different kind of driver aids, right? It's got the, uh, you know, a little, the, your rear view mirror light up if someone's in your blind spot, which is very nice. You can be you got a backup camera, which is very nice. But it's got this little driving um, lane correction thing, right? Where if you sort of drift out of your lane, it'll, it'll, it'll actually give your steering wheel a little nudge to put you back in the, in the lane, which I, you know, I yep. turn it, turn it on just to, just to play with it. And, and just for fun, I just, I said, let me just see how, how well this works. I was on the interstate, right. You know, there wasn't a lot of traffic. So I just took my hands off a steering wheel to see how long it would keep me in a straight line. Um, and it was doing pretty well until my dashboard lit up and said, put your hands on the steering wheel, <laughs> which I'm like, wow. So this thing even knows if I had my hands off a steering wheel. So I yeah. mean, the, the computers and technology they get put into an automobile are, are pretty, you know, pretty amazing. And so when yeah. you consider you're going to have the, the whole thing, use, you know, lasers and sensors and, and mm-hmm. these sort of things to keep it on the track or keep it on the road uh, to, you know, or to, to break, and not hit another car. I'm just really interested to watch this and see what we're coming up with. But but that's but that's just me. Other, other yeah. people other people think it's a travesty that we're going to do this at the Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway. But I I can't complete, think, I can't think of a better place to do it. No, complete garbage. You know, not what you said. Sorry, sorry, not what you said. No, but the pe- people who are of this opinion, oh, you know, that that sort of thing shouldn't be at Indianapolis or whatever. You know, motorsport in, in general gets criticized for not having its finger on the pulse of, you know, race, you know, not racing, but the real, you know, automotive industry. And they, they say, hey, look, you know, how can you justify spending all this money when the, you know, where's the technology, you know, where's the technology creep from motorsport into the automotive industry? And there actually has been a lot. And if you look at it into some details that, you know, most people wouldn't see on a general basis, there is a heck of a, a lot of work that is, is, is comparable between the two. Um, and, you know, as you said, this is the future. This is the, um, you know, the way of the world. And I was actually at a, a proving ground in Ohio this last week and, at least half of the vehicles at this uh, proving ground were autonomous driven vehicles and autonomous semi trucks and, uh, you know, fully drive, you know, fully, fully uh, automated um, vehicles. So the, the technology is, is there, you know, whether we like it or not, it is coming. And to uh, put a spotlight on the engineers, I think is, 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 is a, as an engineer is a, is a great thing. Um, and to give you know these people an opportunity to to, to showcase their skills because 
you know, the, the design that goes into this is it's phenomenal. And I think it'd be really interesting as well to show, look, you know, this team here, you know, because all the cars are the same. So fundamentally, this team here has designed a car which, you know, is faster than this one. And the reason why that one is faster is because the technology in there, the algorithms they've used to design the artificial intelligent learning systems for how to drive and how to take the corner and what your optimum line is within the uh, on the track or you know what throttle percentage demands and how you can judge traction control and all these sort of things these are things that autonomous cars deal with on a daily basis so we need a, a sh you know a, a, for this to be a showcase of that technology is is fantastic no i agree 100 yep so and you know, again, you know, and and just the pushback you get from old time race fans, like uh, <laughs> they don't like hybrid engines. They don't like this. It's all oh, uh, Na NASCAR might be hybrid by 2024. Goodbye, NASCAR. I'm like, hey, you know what I mean? NASCAR had been yeah. lagging behind what's in your road car for decades. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, I think so, the next gen car is no longer going to be metal bodies now, from mm -hmm. what I understood. Because, I mean, Xfinity run the composites. Yeah, they've been running the composite for a couple yeah. years now. That that that's that, that's in in reality that's a very small divergence. The big thing from the next gen car is actually going to independent um, push rod suspension. You know they've had truck arm suspensions from a basically the, the original truck arm suspension in NASCAR was modeled on a 1950s Ford F150 and fundamentally hasn't changed for 30 odd years, 40 years. So you know. <laughs> It's a huge change to go to independent suspension on, uh, on on these vehicles. So, you know, NASCAR is is, is getting there, and you know they they still they still got a hell of a long way to go. And uh, you know, who cares whether they're a hybrid engine? You know, who cares whether they've got a energy regenerative system? Who cares? You know, people need to get over these things. I, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to people that have their opinions here, but you know, come on. This is one of the problems, especially with NASCAR, is that it's, you know, so ingrained in the his, you know, in the, in the background and the history. And, you know, I, I, again, I, I think it's a cultural thing as well as a sports-based thing. You know, this whole things were better back in my day. Well, you know what? Look at look, look at what culture was like back in your day, and maybe it's not quite as good as you seem to think it is. You know, we we we, we we're pretty lucky these days that I think we have a relatively diverse and advanced culture and you know there's a huge proportion of society that, that that do seem to think that they're better back in my day well you know careful what you wish for sort of thing and and, and that's kind of a prime example of that oh yeah i mean there's a lot of folks stuck in the past but that's i, I guess that's just uh human nature at its core you know what i mean you know you oh, always sure. you, you always you always look on the past uh and you remember you remember the, the good stuff and not the uh the struggles but anyway yeah. so we are on the cusp of our Formula One weekend in the United States. Um, yep. Cars are unloaded. Uh, Daniel Ricardo is going to get to do something interesting that he's been wanting to do for a while, which is to drive an old X Dale Earnhardt car, uh, which yep. he is looking forward to. Um, again, you know, looking at the past, here's a guy who, uh, here's a guy who raised in Australia and raced in Europe, but a big Dale Earnhardt fan and one of his, uh, his, <laughs> you know, the um, evidently, you know, Zach Brown owns uh, an old Monte Carlo that was driven by um, Dale back in the day. And he's going to going to let um, 
Daniel take it out on the tracks. So that'll be fun. But uh, but we do have a Grand Prix coming up. We've got a tight, tight points battle uh, coming into Austin. So, Richard, you want to give us a quick uh, quick preview of uh, who you think is going to do well and who we should watch in uh, Austin? Yeah, well, for the for the last time in, in the foreseeable future, this will be the, the sole U.S. race for the season. You know, starting next year, we're going to have two races in the U.S. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk of potentially even adding a, a third, you know, if the market demands it. But, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be one of these races that is probably going to, you know, again, it's going to be between the Red Bulls and Mercedes and, and you, know, pretend, you know, you'd imagine between the Hamilton and Verstappen uh, battle. Um, and just based on some of the resurgence you've seen in, in Mercedes over the last few weeks, uh, or last few races, so I, I think you'd, you'd really be you pushed to, to, to sort of bet against Hamilton on this one. Um, you know, I, I think the car suits the track. He's had, you know, success there in the past. And I would, uh, yeah, I imagine that uh, Hamilton, t- t- for my money anyway, is going into this race as a, as, as a favourite for, for, for this weekend. I can't disagree with you. I mean, Lewis has been spot on at uh, Coda nearly, you know, every time we've been mm-hmm. there. Uh, so I mean, it's the side where he's locked up the championship multiple on uh, multiple occasions as well. This is true. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, that puts, uh, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on uh, Max Verstappen who's really got to, uh, you know, minimize the damage. If Lewis dominates the race, he's got to uh, put in a good performance if he wants to win this championship. But I, you know, we're at the, we're at the time of the year where Lewis just comes alive and becomes unbeatable. I mean, we've seen it year after year after year, you know, he'll, uh, yep. You know, so it's almost, almost like he takes a little, a little break in the middle of the season. You know, uh, he doesn't often lose the points lead, uh, but he's, uh, uh, it, you know, this when it when it comes down when it comes down to the, you know, to time to get the job done. Lewis has faltered very few times, so uh, yeah. Max Max, I mean, has, Max has his work cut out for him. But you know, but oh, be, but beyond yeah. the beyond the championship battle. Who else do you see performing well here? I mean, we've seen a lot of improvements from Williams, from McLaren, from, uh, you know, Racing Point to or Aston Martin to a certain extent. Yeah. Oh, I, I think McLaren will be strong again. You know, um, I think, as you say, they've really picked up, especially post their win at, uh, at Monza. They've, they've certainly got a strong package and they've got two young drivers there who are, I think, working really, really well together. They're gelling well. They're, they're, they're pushing each other. And I think both, uh, Daniel and, and Lando have that sort of personality which suits the American market and suits you know the, the fan base and I think they get a really really good reception and, and I think it's something that, that fits really well into their sort of um, you know, makeup of, of how they want to race and how they're where they feel comfortable so I imagine that McLaren will be pretty strong again this weekend um, but as you say there's a lot of other you know strong teams I mean Alpine have been you know Nothing crazy, but steady, you know, doing a steady job the last few weeks. Um, you know, Seb Vettel, he's been he's been pushing up there again and, and you know, putting in some strong performances. Um, so you, I don't think you can look, you know, Ferrari, it'd be interesting to see what they do now. Both of those cars have got new engines in um, without any, any of the engine penalties. See if that really was worth the risk of, of taking a sort of a an optional penalty you know they didn't need to take a penalty they didn't have engine failures per se but they just wanted to get miles and laps on their new engines 
So yeah, but it, it would be nice for Ferrari to finish off the season on a high note. They've been kind of yeah, especially they've been kind of down and out for a couple of seasons now. You know, despite having Oof, uh, well, yeah. despite having Charles, who was uh, you know one of the most talented guys out there. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong wrong. I don't think fundamentally with their driver lineup. You know, I think they've got two very very competent drivers that push each other very very well the, the problem is they don't have the two drivers you know the, the the hamilton and the verstappens of the world you know outside of those two i think you know leclerc and Sainz would give anybody a run for their money uh it's just difficult that when when you don't have those two aces in the pack um so yeah but you say you do you do want to see them do well it's just you know they, they just keep every season is like a false dawn for them really and you know, ever since they had that engine issue a couple of years ago where the FAA sort of slapped their wrist and uh, and the like, they've sort of been on the back foot. And, uh, you know, yeah, that was all very strange. And I think that probably hit them harder than people gave gave, gave, gave it credit for. And um, you, you'd, you'd love to see them back up there, you know, and fighting for wins and championships, but that certainly won't, uh, you know, I can't see them fighting for wins this weekend and you know before the end of the season so yeah it's been yeah it's, it's full been, steam into 2022 it's been what nearly 15 years since we've had a what Kimi Raikkonen was the last guy to win a championship for Ferrari yeah, that was seven, what, yeah. Oh, 07 yeah so yeah yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, time is uh it's almost for- getting to the the same length you know time frame between Schechter and Schumacher winning you know give it a few more years if they don't stop you know if they don't win anything by 2028 will be the, the same 21 year gap, um, which is oh, crazy yeah. to think. Yeah. It, it is, yeah. But long like, way to go between now and then. <laughs> long way to go between now and then, yeah. So now, speaking of which, the other news that some folks were hoping will come out of Austin involves <laughs> Alpha Romeo Sauber and Michael mm-hmm. Andretti, uh, which uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, racing publications, so to say. Um, you know, we're, we're saying that the talks were going to be happening in Austin, but it seems like uh, those talks have hit a bit of an impasse and you get a lot of, a lot of these journalists are backtracking now. Uh, you know, I mean, it's some folks have gone so far to say that, uh, uh, you know, Colton Herta would be in the Alfa Romeo and free practice one at Austin, which I, I don't know where that little story came from, but I don't believe that was ever any, part of anybody's plan. I think that was pure fantasy. So, uh, we'll just have to see. I mean, the story definitely has legs, but I don't think it is the slam dunk done deal that most people think it no. is. Obviously, now Michael has raised some money uh, through uh, uh, initial public offering, uh, but but I don't believe he's. I, I think there's a big gap between where he's at and what Sauber is looking for. So we'll just have to see how that plays out. Yeah. Over the next, I mean, it's several months, I, and I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't see this thing happening in twenty two. That's just my perspective. Uh, no, but but, the, but then again, if the if the the pieces start falling into place, sometimes these things can happen very quickly. So, but I, I just personally, personally, I feel like a lot of journalists have just jumped the gun with this and are putting Colton Herta in a Formula One car. Uh, well, of course, yeah. yeah, they're they're just trying to trying to Indy. get get some clicks and get some readers. So, IndyCar season's over. You know, let's 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 put two and two together and make five. But I think there's there is obviously some truth to the talks. You know, I'm sure that they've had the um, uh, you know some some sort of negotiations there um, ongoing. But it's not just you know, oh, here's you know two hundred fifty million dollars. I'm going to buy your team. 
you know, you do, that, that's that's the easy part. You know, it's okay. Here's two hundred fifty million dollars to buy the team, and here's you know, hundred and hundred and fifty million dollars a year for the next ten years to maintain the team and keep it going. Um, that's the hard bit to find. Exactly. Yeah, and, and and they say Gainbridge is on board, but I, you know, Gainbridge does have a lot of capital, but I don't, I don't know that they have Formula One capital. You need, honestly, you know, you I mean, need, you need, yeah, you, you need a straight up manufacturer globally. Yeah, you 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 need, you need yes, you need manufacturers support, but also from a branding and sponsorship perspective, to be a top team, you need a global brand with global exposure. I mean, you look at why Red Bull fundamentally came into Formula One in the mid two thousands. It was to promote their brand globally because they didn't have a particularly big market share in Asia and they knew Formula One was popular in Asia and it was a perfect market tool. Gamebridge, it's not, you know, it's not these business to business transactions, sponsorship deals, which you see in Formula One, in, sorry, in IndyCar. You know, it, that's not how Formula One works. Formula One works is purely commercial based, consumer based, you know, these brands that everybody's aware of and interacts with on a daily basis, you know, Monster Energy, Red Bull, um, you know, UPS, uh, you know, all of these sort of, you know, you can keep, you can go with all, you go on all day with the brands that are sponsored, sponsoring Formula One things. But um, very rarely do you get these, you know, a company coming in to sponsor a Formula One team and go, who are they? But, you know, you look at an IndyCar team and, and it's, it's, it's pretty common to be like, what do they do? You know, so it's a different beast and it's a global market, not a North American market, which, you know, Gamebridge, I think, don't have any business. I don't know, I may be wrong, business outside of the U.S. I think Gamebridge has a parent company that's global. Okay. um, That is fairly cash rich, uh, you know. But again, if it's one of these holding companies, you know, who there's no brand recognition. No, nobody knows exactly what they do. Yeah. You know, but uh but but they have a lot of money. So anyway, yeah. but we'll just have to see how, how all that plays out over the now and, and again I, I believe it's gonna be several months. I think everybody was just trying to jump the gun, put Colton Hurt in a Formula One car next year. And I just personally I don't see that happening. I think Colton Herta will be right there in the uh number twenty six Gamebridge car in the IndyCar series next year, and and he'll be a title favorite. Yeah. And if he goes there next year, and and we talked about you know a number of times on this on the show, shows the sort of dominance that he showed at Laguna Seca and and some of these other races last year, then yeah, then you may start looking at it and may start going, okay, maybe this guy does have what it takes to step up into him. But if but if he has another season like he has this you know last season, where he dominates a couple of races but then sticks it in the wall two or three times and he's anonymous for two or three races of the season. That's not going to cut the mustard in Formula One, and Formula One team principals know that. Every Formula One team principal will know of Colton Herta without any hesitation, and they'll all know that the kid's fast but makes too many mistakes. Now, if he can get rid of the mistakes, then yeah, maybe he'll get a look in. But if he keeps making these mistakes, he just won't get a look at. You know, how many? You know, Colton Herta has made more mistakes in one weekend than Lewis Hamilton makes in the season. You know, it's it, 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 you know it's a pretty brutal fact, but that's the truth. Yeah, I guess that's a little harsh, but yeah, but it's yeah, there's just some truth to that. So, all right, so we are right up at the end of our hour. So let's go ahead and make us some picks for both uh, Kansas and for Austin, and then we'll uh, we'll get off the air. So, uh, Louise, I'm going to start with you. Uh, your pick for Kansas and your pick for Coda. 
Kansas, I'm going with Joy Logano. As for Coda, I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton. All right, Richard, that puts you on deck. Oh, let's have a look. I mean, Coda, let's go with Verstappen then, despite what I said earlier. Um, and let's go with Hamlin for Kansas. All right, and for Kansas, I'm going to go with Kyle Larson continues to <laughs> demoralize the rest of the guys. <laughs> and uh, for Coda, since well, since you guys taken Hamilton and Verstappen, that leaves me. Oh, I don't know. Daniel Ricardo gets such a charge out of driving Dale Earnhardt's car that he that he puts that puts that energy into a a race winning <laughs> a race winning drive that's aided by uh, Hamilton and Verstappen having a little trouble because. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, realistically, imagine that sellout crowd's reaction through it. Because it's the largest crowd they've had since, like, what the inaugural race. Yeah, they've yeah, it's it's Stone Cold sellout. Yeah, yeah, they're looking at that's awesome. Uh, that's great. They're they're looking at a, a big crowd, and you know, which which bodes well for these guys that are putting on this thing in Miami next year. Which again, you know, that's for me. That's I believe it when I see it. I, you know, because I've there's been so many rumored street race Formula One coming to the United States uh, in my lifetime that I've never, yeah, mater- never materialized, but uh, it seems like the, go, uh, that one seems that way. Now the amount of money they're putting into it and the amount of people that they're hiring and recruiting, you know, that they, they, it's, it's, it's going ahead. All right. Well, I'll meet you down there. We'll go to the race. So it'll be fun. Hang Sounds out. Sounds good Miami. to me. Hang We'll hang out in Miami. Louise, you going to come with us? Oh, sorry. I said your penthouse then. I thought I'd hang out in your Miami I, penthouse. I, I have the open <laughs> idea, but we'll see how much money I'll have between now and then. I mean, we better have a lot. I was just looking at what the ticket cost. <laughs> yeah. we'll exactly. oh, I'll, 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 I'll talk to somebody. I'll get that sorted. Yeah. Well, I'll, we'll just, we'll hang out with Will Smith down there. He's uh mm. he's a big Formula One guy and he's uh, he's got him a place in Miami. So there you go. There you go. You got your number on the speed dial, haven't you? Oh sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, we are out of yep. time. So uh, Richard and Louise, I want to thank you both. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank um iHeartRadio, Spreaker, uh, YouTube, and Google Podcasts. But I want to thank you folks that listen to us every week. But until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 